Welcome to the Intercut Podcast, the weekly show going over the TV, movies, and entertainment that people can't cut away from. I am your host, Zach and joining me, he's the girl that threw the brick, it's Arturo Zurita. I haven't caught the show you're referencing yet, but I'm excited to be here uh, with you, Zach, with uh, Fernando. I I have an actual gift to give over here, Um, something that Fernando may actually like. Hmm. I had ordered a couple A24 stuff, and I was telling you at the beginning of the episodes that I wanted to add some stuff to possess all the open spots that we have over here. And I had ordered those pins from A24, Tony Collette one. I don't know how much of it you guys can see over there. Uh, fascinated by these pins. The, fa- the most fascinating part is these are A24 stuff. The fact they were in stock, <laughs> first and foremost, <laughs> right? is the craziest bit. But the packaging for the first one, it came with these lighthouse things, oh, those are which cool. is really... Really great if you cared for the lighthouse. But what I do care for is the Tony Collette pin, which is really dope. And then I don't know why they packaged the Midsommar one like this. What the heck? In like Hagra, Harga actual stuff. Like literally, just how it came packaged. It was just stuffed in an envelope. <laughs> but uh, I was able to get the Midsommar and... Very cool. Yeah, those are, those so we are got dope. those right there to add to it. But, Starting uh, your collection of uh, distressing, yeah. distressing A24 ladies. Pretty much, pretty much. But I'm excited it, to be here. And Fernando, I will cool send that you. It's cool A24's got that whole uh, merch shop going. Yeah. yeah uh, if if they had everything it. in stock. Yeah. That's <laughs> another great point. So there is uh, a, From uh, producer slash intern Fernando. Say what up, Fernando. What's up, guys? Glad to be here. I wish um, I could have the luxury of buying such nice pens. How much were they? Like $30, Art? The posters were free. They came for free. Oh, the pins were 15 15 yeah, yeah. They're yeah like it's not like the decent, books that they're selling. But, yeah. But, yeah. It's if they're in stock that really that's what matters. Yeah, because those things go like crazy. Yeah, very uh, limited quantity on a lot of those A24 things. That's how they get you. Well, in a little bit, we'll be talking about Apple TV Plus, HBO Max, and Watchmen. But first, we are brought to you by Morton Co. Morton Co. themed candles are the happiest scents on earth and available to you through their Etsy shop. Just search Morton Co. on Etsy. For a wide array of scented candles, a lot of which mm. are based on your favorite Disney properties. Art's got uh, one over there in Chicago. What's oh, that smell like, one. Art? This one's Big Thunder Cactus. It's based off of mm. the uh, the Mine Train ride, the one that takes like three uh, hours for you to be able. You know which one <laughs> yeah, I'm talking about yeah, yeah. to get in there. It's like I'm there. No wait, no line. I'm inside the ride. It really does. This is Alina's favorite smelling one. But uh, yeah, like Zach said. Down below, we always have a link. They have a, a monthly candle that they do. Uh, good friends of ours over there. Definitely go check them out. You can score some candles. And a lot of people, when we were talking about them earlier, they got a lot of stuff coming for the uh, holidays. Yo, the Star Wars ones are killing it because there's a good side, dark side. Mm-hmm. All it creates is just an argument on which side smells better. Yeah. <laughs> and then it just goes from there. But uh, big shout out to them for sponsoring. And definitely click the link down below. They got a candle of the month as well. So. Yeah, so make sure Morning you get up that Co. candle and check out Mort & Co. Candles. Hey, also make sure you're subscribed to the Intercut Podcast. Enter mm. uh, either the video podcast on YouTube.com slash IntercutPod or the audio podcast available on most podcatchers. Also follow Intercut on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, whatever you're good with. We're at IntercutPod. That's at IntercutPod. That's short for short podcast. For podcast. All right, let's start the show the way we started pretty much every mm-hmm. week here with what we are watching. What you been watching, buddy? Two little streaming things, and I think, well, you've caught both. Looking for Alaska. Yeah. What are your thoughts? Well, so uh, I 
think it's worth noting that this is a book that I read when I was in high school and I found very affecting. Uh, it's a book by John Green, who's also mm-hmm. the author of The Fault in Our Stars, which obviously was a massively successful book and movie. Um, and he's kind of got a particular style where the he has these very eloquent teens who ruminate on existence and probably speak a little oh, bit uh, above <laughs> their uh, reading level. what should be their intellect <laughs> yeah. level, vocabulary level. But, you know, I, I think it's it's in a tradition that's similar to shows like Dawson's Creek or whatever, where where it's like what the it's supposed to be what these teens are feeling if they could express the words this eloquently. That's the um, best I way definitely to put feel it. like it's kind oh. of like you gotta you gotta buy into it or not and sometimes it's harder to than others. I uh, you uh, one of the ones you didn't mention was Paper Towns, another one that he <laughs> did Towns. which just led me yeah. to go the moment this thing starts the mom asked the boy, "Why are you going to this uh how would you explain it? A high school?" But it's a yeah, camp. Yeah, it's, it's a it seems like it's a summer camp, but it's yeah. actually a boarding school. A school that's in a camp, and, and the kids get together, and they're pretty much creating these sex uh, so they don't snitch on each other, but they do start snitching on each other. Pretty much, And being the, the worst thing in the world is being a rat. Yeah, the wor- like it's The Departed or something. They really treat the show at a certain point. But uh, the, the show starts in this kid. Supposedly, John Green went through a school like this. Uh, I, this is foreign to me completely. I don't know. These kids are able yeah, to I do mean, whatever they want. Having read the book... And seen the movie, both uh, sorry, seen the series, uh, the Hulu yeah. series. We should mention, you know, I, I do find that John Green's writing is something that works a lot better on the page when you can read Say the thoughts the and yes. you, you can spend time in the mind mm-hmm. of the character. Uh, and that doesn't mean it's on; it's unable to be adapted into something good. But I think weirdly, this might have been too faithful of an adaptation. Is that what it is? Because I'm watching this stuff, and these kids are talking. What is it with him always taking a, 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 a middle-class suburban boy, white male, who's always like, you know what? I'm obsessed with that person. don't even know who I am, but I'm obsessed with that person. I'm going to find that was Paper Towns. She's looking for Alaska before he even knows who Alaska is. And their interactions are the goofiest things. If I ever meet somebody and they go, okay, I'm bored. You have 10 seconds to entertain me, or you don't exist in my world. I'm walking out of that room. What? That's yeah. not how you meet other people. Uh, it's goofy at times, but there's points where they, they do, it's entertaining enough that I've caught it halfway through and I do plan on finishing. Uh, like you said, I do think it works probably better written than actually hearing these kids try to sound like the author who's writing these thoughts for them. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, did you like it? What did you think of it? I was I I was ultimately disappointed, although I do think there are things that worked about the show. Um, I liked the character Pudge. uh, Sorry, not Pudge. Excuse me. um, The Colonel. Um, I thought he was adapted well. I think the actor they chose to play him was well. And and speaking of Pudge, Charlie Plummer is the uh, main character in the show. And I thought he's pretty good, too. Um, So there's elements of the show that I liked. And I do think it's worth sticking with it past where you are because it takes an interesting turn. Um, But I, I. I don't know. I was ultimately disappointed with it. Right. Comes from uh, I believe Josh Schwartz is one of the co-creators of the show. He did the OC, so he's familiar familiar with like teen stuff. Mm. Makes sense. It reminded me a lot of the Society, which is also on Netflix, uh, and it also stars the actress who plays Alaska. Like she's in everything. Oh. I was just watching her in something else before this as well. Um, so. I mean, good for her. She's getting work. Another one, Apple TV. So much stuff that came out on Apple TV. I don't right. know what you guys caught. Those of you guys watching, let us know what the best ones are with C. Uh, there was the one with, what's her name from Pitch Haley Seinfeld. Dixon. Uh, Dickinson. She's got her Dickinson. own series. Dickinson. 
but the one I caught was Morning Show. It's got three free episodes, or two of the episodes are free for you to watch if you have an iPhone or something and that has Apple TV. three episodes are currently out. Yeah, and then there's three episodes. I caught two of them. I know you caught one of them. Uh, Network in the Me Too era. <laughs> right. I, I, I think that's the... a really, really kind review, and I know you <laughs> don't mean it that way. Yeah, because it's not Network. But it is me too, I guess. We were talking earlier. There's a certain degree to it where uh, it, it's it's supposed it's practically like Matt. Lo- what happened after Matt Lauer's <laughs> events happened? And yeah, well, it is up. based on the book that and they uh, chronicled it. some of that. Uh, yeah, I believe they they name drop a lot of me two cases, jizzing implants, all of that's out in the open. But there's a lot of it yeah. where where it seems very fabricated. There's stuff that's supposed to be like viral moments that characters go through that is like, you see that character does care about the news. I was like, really? Cause that whole bit would never be on my Twitter feed as something that's trending. That feels like an Apple scripted show for Apple TV. There's nothing worse than when a movie or TV show insists mm. that something went viral. <laughs> and right? it's just a complete the complete antithesis to the things that go viral. Now, you haven't seen the second episode, but in the second episode, they actually go uh, at it, the two actresses, it being Jennifer Aniston, who's trying to maintain her spot as a news anchor after mm-hmm. her co-anchors, played by Steve Carell, has, <laughs> you know, this man is dirty. That man is a dog. Uh, he has a bunch of allegations against him. He claims otherwise, but uh, they now Which need is to also a very interesting use of the often very likable Steve Carell to make him this, yeah. like, figurehead of surprised. sexual misconduct. Because for the first, like, 20-ish minutes, they keep it like, did he or did he not? The first introduction to him is, wow, no one's taking my call. She threw me under the bus. Then you hear his big speech, and it's like, nah, homie, you sick. (laughs) But yeah, I agree with you. It's an inversion of that. In the second episode, you actually get to get a scene between Reese Witherspoon and um, uh, Aniston. They do have one at the tail end of the first episode or when they're talking on air. Okay, then that's the bit bit I'm talking about. And I do like their chemistry together, but I couldn't help but thinking, Belle Polly. And uh, Gugu's character. Yeah. They should have been the main characters in this thing. Even uh, mm. who's the, uh, he's not an assistant, but the one who keeps walking around with Aniston. He's hilarious. What's his, I'm blanking on his name. You know exactly oh. what I'm talking about. I, I'm not sure his name either, but yeah. I'm blanking on it, but he, uh, from the league, he kills it. He's the best, he has a bunch of, the, he has a lot of the funniest scenes. So there's enough in there for me to like want to continue watching it. And I think they're doing it a week by week basis. The first mm-hmm. three, which I do like. You know, they always say once you start a series, give it three episodes. You like it, maybe yeah. you don't. Uh, I finished the first two. It's not great. It's not the best. You know, you got newsroom out there. You got the movie <laughs> network. You got a lot of other things out there that you can watch when it comes to news related stuff. Uh, there was something you had mentioned earlier about uh, the America line where it just didn't feel. Right. Well, uh, as newsroom is an interesting comparison for you to make because I think ultimately newsroom suffered from some similar uh, flaws as I'm seeing through the first episode of the morning show is there are times where they take themselves a little bit too seriously and there are times where it, they just get sanctimonious in a way that doesn't resonate uh, mm-hmm. you know in the morning show they do this thing like we they talk about we do this for America or I have to talk yeah. to America inflating their value in a way that feels pretentious like you could say that line but you have to do it a little more knowingly uh-huh. I think than the show does it <laughs> Unless they do something later on where it's like they're all playing it for show. There is a line that said it's like, wow, that's very clean cut. Almost like it was rehearsed. We'll see. But yeah, those yeah. are the two that I'm watching. What, what are you guys watching? Fernando? Um, it was a really good week for me when it comes to oh. things that we're watching. You know when you have like a good like solid like you watch like three movies back to back and you're like, okay, mm-hmm. like this is why I like watching movies. There's I could talk about two, but I mean the one I have to talk about 
is Parasite because I finally caught finally up. Oh saw yeah, it. you finally. And um, congrats. I saw your guys' uh, Let Us Explain on it, which, you know, reaffirmed a lot of what I was feeling. I was like, okay, like, this is great. And the more I keep thinking about it, I want to see it again, like, so badly. It's it's just, like, it's the best movie this year. Um, it's definitely one of my favorite Bong movies. And, and he's been on the binge. Yeah, I, I watched, I've seen all of his movies. And it's like definitely... Recent Bernando recently yet. published an article on the ATZshow.com <laughs> ranking all of his uh, tr- rank- ranking all of the mm-hmm. Bong Joon Ho films, so uh, nice head revisit. over there. We'll put that link in the description too. Yeah, and right now I'm st- I'm still tossing it up whether it's my number one or two, right behind Memories because I love Memories, but just just the way that he like handles, because and I'll say this without going into spoilers, um, because if you want spoilers, just go see the Let Us Explain that um are exacted, but I feel it's like two different tones, but they like work so well together. And just the way like the movie flows from the first half into the second half, because for me that second half is like, is like perfect. It's like I mm-hmm. I really find the first half entertaining, but that second half is what like made it what it was for me. And when the twist happens, I was like, yo, what is going on right now? Um, mm-hmm. He he's yeah, it morphs from like this really enjoyable yeah. uh, comedy into a, a pitch perfect thriller. Yeah. So and he's a master. I'm like I'm so happy for him that he's getting like this exposure that so many people are going to see his movies um even though right, i love yeah even though right now it's like really limited like new york and la are like the big markets like selling out uh, but my theater was packed and i'm Sick. hoping more people go see it so definitely go see it if it's near you one question for you so you, so you heard the let us explain yeah who you side with on the ending without any spoilers um i find it um optimistic thank you really yeah. thank you bro alina comes up to me the other day and goes so I, I read an interview with Vaughn, and you may be right. I go, of course I'm right. I'm not waiting for that one, honey. I'm waiting for you to, to know that it's also better than, than uh, Portrait of a Lady, but you haven't seen Portrait of a Lady yet. No. I'm that's prob- going to be the interesting yeah. discussion. Probably going to have to wait till December because that's when it gets its release. But, Zach, yeah. but Zach also had a similar week to you, as you mentioned your mm-hmm. other two, where he had at New York, where he went back to back to back. Yeah. Uh, but what were the other two that you had? Uh, I saw Dolomite actually in theaters because it played at this. Very um, cool. Yeah, and hey, it's sick. super enjoyable. I guess uh, I'll talk about that later in the show. Um, and then the Lighthouse, which I know. I know are, you like. I'll uh, get. I'll send you one of these. I'll send it back with Fernando right. for you. I'll send it back with Fernando for you. With Fernando, that's me. <laughs> I set it up. Or sorry, with Andres. Watch, I set it on fire on accident. Um, I know Art didn't like it that much, but like the Lighthouse, I don't know, man. There's just there was just something about the way it was filmed. Um, you know, I'm not Very crazy well about The Witch. You, and do you like The Witch a lot? That's why Chase and I were very surprised yeah. with this movie. Because I've seen The Witch, I saw it once, like, last year, I think. And I was like, all right, this is good. Um, mm. Maybe I have to give it another watch. But, but The Lighthouse... And I need to give Lighthouse another watch. Yeah. So. I, don't, I, I mean, I know, I definitely, like, feel you. Like, I know you don't like that, like, weird, like, surrealist kind of thing with, like, Climax or Suspiria. It's very much in that playing field um, in terms of movies. effective. I'll put that... Yeah, um, but I mean, it has a crazy audience. Like, I I know Letterbox does like these lists where it's like, oh, the best horror films, mm-hmm. right? Of or, or whatever, or most divisive. Yeah, yeah. Or... And they literally just made a new one, and Lighthouse is already like in the top ten. Like, people flood Letterbox with like love for a movie. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's getting it has a really big audience, even though it's like pretty it small. It does. Yeah, it's yeah, strong audience. Definitely... I'll say that 
passionate, passionate lighthouse. Yeah, and I just found it funny. Like after I, I like uh, tweeted my initial like reaction tweet, like twenty Robert Pattinson stand right. accounts oh, instantly are, liked it. I was like, okay, I mean, like with the French <laughs> French accents and all. What's yeah. your favorite line from it? Uh, that doesn't need a subtitle. I I just love the scene. Uh, well, actually, my favorite line is from the trailer when Willem Dafoe goes, uh, "How long have you been on this rock?" Five weeks, you do like that, like, two days. Help me to recollect. But also the scene where they're just like dancing and like they're drunk and they're like, like Robert has like, I'm like, what is going on? Uh, it wasn't like unintentionally or maybe intentionally. I don't know. Like hilarious to me. Like, I, like I was laughing a lot. So first thing yeah. Fernando said when I when I told him, I was like, ah, this one's not for me. Fernando yeah. said, yes, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> he goes, now I know I'm going to like it. Exactly. <laughs> what about you, Zach? I know you got some of the Apple stuff. But anything else? I did. Uh, I also caught Dolomite is my name. Not in theaters. I watched it on streaming because mm-hmm. it's available to stream on Definitely. Netflix now. And I found it very, very enjoyable. Uh, not, not to you know, cut off what might be uh, picked later in mm-hmm. the show, but you know, uh, this is the return of Eddie Murphy to the Eddie Murphy yeah. we want to see mm-hmm. on screen. Uh, even though it's kind of giving him one foot in the more drama world as well. You know, uh, getting to see him inhabit this character and really take on some of the dramatic aspects of the role but cut loose and be funny and you know deliver some lines with zest Mm -hmm. that we haven't seen him really do uh he's such a unique comedic talent that it's nice to get him back because he's so charismatic and the movie Mm -hmm. is so filled with these really great actors whether it's uh uh, uh, Mike Michael Key showing up in one of the supporting roles. Wesley Snipes showing up Mike in a supporting Epps. role. Uh, the Mike Epps, yeah. the cameo from Chris Rock. Yeah. Uh, you know, Snoop there's a whole Dog. bunch of great, great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it, it's a really fun movie, and it very much has a similar energy, I think, uh, to the Disaster Artist. I know I'm not the first person mm-hmm. to say this, but there's this energy like we're gonna try and pull this together. We're all working on something, and we believe in it. Uh, it, it may be shoddy and it may fall apart, but like it, it, there's a there's a it feels it feels like heisty in mm-hmm. a way that they're yeah. trying to get away with this. Yeah. Uh, and it's also got a kind of interesting uh, historical h- historical perspective, mm-hmm. too. So I was really enjoyed. I really, really enjoyed this one. Yeah. Um, I'm a little bit disappointed that it feels like it's getting. Uh, maybe not the des- yeah. res- respect it deserves because of its Netflix release. It's 100. one of those Netflix movies yes. that's just petering out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just because yes. Netflix has so many other ones coming out that it's just that's falling underneath like uh, Marriage Story maybe, or Irishman. Yeah, and, and like you said, you saw it on the big screen. Mm-hmm. So the production design, the costume design Ooh. at TIFF, what was the thing? Last year, Roma had mm-hmm. the art installation. This year, the only He's, big one movie. That had it. It it's was easy all, getting a all of the. It's uh, Ruth exactly. Carter who won last year for Black ah, Panther. Exactly. It was yeah. all of her stuff there on display for the costumes, and I agreed with you, dude. Ed Wood was what I was thinking oh, yeah, the entire Ed time, Wood. and then it turns out same people who did Ed Wood. That's what I heard. Exactly. I have not confirmed yeah. it, but is it? I was like, oh my goodness, that's exactly how I see it. So I agree with you with the heist film uh, perspective. Mm-hmm. Totally. Uh, my other one I've been watching is Watchmen, but Bro. we're going to get into that a little bit later in the show. He's Let us seen know it what twice. you've been watching in the uh, comments down below on YouTube or by shooting us an email. The address for that is intercutpod at gmail.com. But we are going to move on to the yay or nay where we break down the latest happenings in the entertainment industry, starting with Apple TV Plus finally launched. Sure. 
on November 1st. It made available its first bits of original programming, including, as we mentioned, a few episodes of The Morning Show, Dickinson with Haley Steinfeld, as well as C with Jason Momoa and Alfre Woodard. It also has the feature film Hala that I cut at Sundance mm-hmm. and the documentary The Elephant Queen, which may have uh, which many have suggested is a contender for best documentary at the Oscars. But Ooh. Art, yay or nay, do you feel like this was a successful launch week for Apple TV Plus? No. I've what do nobody you talk about it? I don't think that it had the biggest splash that people wanted it to have. Like, have you seen people as no, you know, right. I, it's weird to compare it because we, what was the last big thing to launch cri- the criterion channel? Yeah. You know, like you're, we're only going to be able to compare it to, uh, what's about to come. What is it? Not next week, but, but the, the following, yeah. uh, with Disney plus. Right. And we're going to feel that. So I don't know if that was supposed to be the comparison with Apple. I don't even know if that's what they were going for. It seems like a little soft rollout. Big stuff. I mean, C is a pretty big production. Like you said, mm-hmm. the documentary, uh, they're very much pushing four years to film that documentary, The Elephant Queen. Uh, but it still doesn't, you know, it seems like you were saying it's got that stream, that the negative thing that comes to streaming where it starts feeling like straight to DVD almost. And these are shows. Mm-hmm. But like you said, it starts like, okay, there's these three. Everyone sounds like they're waiting for the real Apple TV launch, like the real series, you know? Mm-hmm. How many things did Netflix have right from the start that we don't go back to? It was just the, the, the stuff to get its footing down. Right. And, and, House and of all Cards the, was the one. Yeah. All the programming that they licensed from other people, which is something that Apple has chosen not, not to have. do. I'm curious your perspective on that. Because a lot of people say if you don't have a, a friends or an office, you're not going to make it. And they don't. Well, like, it's interesting because on one hand, like, I don't need Apple to have all this stuff that I can get elsewhere. But on the other hand, you know, now all Apple has are the shows that I've listed plus or minus one or two. And, you know, these two movies that I mentioned. Uh, And that's not enough to get me to want to drop $4.99 necessarily, Mm -hmm. especially considering that The Morning Show only is uh, (laughs) releasing their first three episodes right now. And then they're going to go to a weekly calendar. You know, I... I'm not convinced yet, not to mention I was tweeting about this in the past week. I don't really have a good way to watch Apple TV at this point. It's only available. The app is only available if you have an Apple TV uh, product, if you have Roku or if you have a Samsung smart TV from 2018 or 19. So it kind of limits its audience to people who have those products or people who are willing to watch it on their iPhone. And like, I'm sorry, I just don't want to watch 10 hours of Reese Witherspoon and uh, Jenna Aniston on a five and a half inch screen. It just doesn't really sound entertaining. Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, I, 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 we're Apple people, right? Right. But you can't ignore everyone who has an Android. Like, what are you doing? What's up? (laughs) Uh, <laughs> but you know, you know what I'm saying? It's like yeah. that's that's just not no smart marketing. And I'll put it to you this way, right? I don't know if any of you guys have YouTube, uh, the the premium. Or I don't know if they changed the name to it. I, I remember do, it was yeah. red. Now it's premium. It's whatever else. Yeah. Uh, that covers your music for YouTube Music. It covers your YouTube for the premium stuff that's there. It gets rid of the ads. It allows you background play, right? And mm-hmm. that's a and they offer family plans. Where is that in Apple? Right? right? Why doesn't Apple have something like Prime does where Family Prime, who pays for Prime? Do you know how to pay for Prime? By buying Prime, the two-day shipping. The, mm-hmm. the video I believe added Apple to is it. offering a package to students where you can get mm-hmm. Apple Music and Apple TV Plus uh, for those of us that aren't students <laughs> yeah. anymore. Shit out of luck, I guess. That should be the package to begin with. Yeah. yeah. 
your Apple multimedia everything. And, and they're gonna change it. They just recently got rid of iTunes to come with the. Mm. They're gonna make another switch eventually, is what it sounds like. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know the thing is, we are entering this era where streaming is kind of starting to abandon the binge. Uh, platform right uh, yes. Apple isn't Thankfully. doing releasing all the episodes at once Disney isn't going to do that Netflix is increasingly showing shows uh, that release you know in a rollout rather than all at once or splitting half like Bojack exactly yeah so uh, when you when you look at that I mean Apple is definitely thinking more long term they want to build they want to continue to gain buzz and the thing is like if episode seven of morning show is must see TV, mm-hmm. then maybe people, maybe Apple will get that buzzy social media moment that they didn't get in this first week of launch. But for now, there's like, I don't know, no one's really said that I need to go watch Jason Momoa in the show where everybody's blind. So, uh, is that what know, it's I'll, about? I'll pass until they get something that I really need to see. I saw Hall at Sundance. And Hall's not even out yet. So, yeah, I agree with you. We'll oh, see. It's not. it's not. It doesn't come out till later. Uh, it's not even available at launch, so yeah. Yeah, so see. we'll see uh, how Apple TV Plus uh, continues to unroll. The future of Game of Thrones on HBO had a tumultuous mm. past couple of weeks. First, after it was announced that the Naomi Watts-led prequel series helmed by James Goldman will not be picked up, after HBO had issues with its pilot episode, the network quickly then ordered a different Game of Thrones prequel show straight to series. The show will be run by Ryan Condal and will bring in Battle of the Bastards director Miguel Sapochnik to direct the pilot and help run the series. George uh, R. R. Martin will produce the show as well. So, Art, yay or nay, the future of Game of Thrones got brighter these past couple weeks. Um, I don't know. We'll see how it comes over there. But... I will say a big yay to the director. Uh, he was very vocal. He was one of the ones that was very vocal, at times too vocal, along with the cinematographer when it came to the Battle of the Winterfell and yeah. stuff. But I do like his directing style, and I, and I like how uh, I like that he's he, they're keeping him on board. So mm-hmm. it's nice to know that they're going to have a very similar aesthetic, that it's all going to be interconnected. My worry, because we had, what did they say? They had like six shows, and we know how it works. You got six shows. Would they know half of them aren't going to make it all the way to fruition? But it's interesting that the pilot yeah. for the one was not good enough, considering that the initial pilot for Game of Thrones, yeah, yeah. as we've heard, and even including with this past, what was it, two weeks ago with the big uh, Q&A yeah, that yeah. they had. Yeah. <laughs> where they just pretty much said, we didn't know. A lot of what we were yeah. doing, um, that they would just cancel it, considering they gave them a second chance. Mm-hmm. They learned along the way, uh, and and I heard a very intriguing thing about it: that Rome was literally just rebranded to be Game of Thrones, and it explains so much about mm-hmm. how the already attempted thing for Rome, the building blocks were there. They just reskinned it when it came closer, and that was a lot in the Q and A when they were like, "Yeah, we were writing stuff," but it's like. On your first outing, you weren't that good. You had to have had something. Well, yeah, they had a lot of the people who had done, like, Rome and stuff. Mm-hmm. And they had the material. But then towards the end, your colors. Bro, he said, we never wanted it to be a fantasy series. Those are for nerds. <laughs> That's how it ends. Imagine ignoring yeah. how it's supposed to end. Um, I'm excited for it. We'll see how it is uh, when it comes out. It, it being a prequel. I mean, Better Call Saul is one of the very few series, I'd say, that's been able right. to withstand it. But, I don't know. Get someone who cares and isn't going to leave because of a Netflix deal. 
Yeah, I mean, it, you know, I'm going to go nay, reluctant, like kind of hesitantly <laughs> and, and maybe mildly nay that mm-hmm. the future is brighter for Game of Thrones. Because one thing is uh, this Game of Thrones prequel with Naomi Watts was already kind of the wheels were turning yeah. while the final season was going. Uh, there's a world in which we would have gotten to see that show next year. Now they're starting from scratch with a series where they're going to have to write it. They're going to have to cast it. They're going to have to do all the production. So and soon, Game of Thrones dude. is going to be gone for from the collective consciousness for a little while. And who knows what the end product is going to be. I mean, I'm glad Miguel Zapochnik is on board because yeah. I've liked his work within the show. Uh, but I do feel like, you know, maybe this is this is showing to HBO that Game of Thrones is not as vital to their future as they once thought it would be. Um, you know, they, they got succession. It's been highly publicized that they have like four or five different prequel series like mm-hmm. s- in some phase of development and you know, sometimes you just can't replicate uh what you had and I I, I don't That's know. True. There's rumors that this is going to be about the Targaryens and yeah. it just That's to what me I feels keep like, To me it feels like, you know, maybe it's not as good to do something we're familiar with, but I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm still curious about it, but I'm not exactly amped for it. Yeah. Agreed. I'm going to laugh when we get all of these series and then the books come out. <laughs> like it's going to take that long for the books to, well, to yeah. get like the official ending. I think this, the, the one that they're making is based on like a book that's already out there that like yes, details like the history of the Targaryens and stuff like that. But it's just like information. It's the it's a book called Fire and Blood, yeah. but it's not part of the like official mm-hmm. series, although it is by George R. R. Martin. Yeah. Anyway, interesting. We'll see. The first ever film, the first ever film submitted by Nigeria to compete in the Oscars International Film Feature category, has been disqualified. The Nigerian film Lionheart, currently available to watch on Netflix, is partially in the Nigerian language Igbo, but is mostly in English, violating the Academy's rule that entries in the category must have, quote, a predominantly non-English dialogue track. That This brings this year's number of international feature films entries down to 92 movies, which is still a record high for that category. Art, yay or nay? You agree with the Academy's rule on English language entries in this category? No. Nay, that's stupid. It's a production from Nigeria, and they switched the name, you idiots. Did you think we weren't... You switched it to, to from best foreign language film to best international film. Right. This was something that you and I had speculated on. Like, is this going to open it up to yeah. uh, Canadian movies or English movies? And I guess this rule was kind of their way of keeping those films out. But it feels like it, the rule is backfiring on them here. It, it is. And I think they're going to change it eventually. Again, it's kind of like when Domino's dropped the pizza. <laughs> you know, Duncan dropped the donuts. But they still had to make pizza and donuts commercials. And now they're trying to be like, oh, yeah, we have salads. No, you don't. Uh, I feel like this... It's going to come back to play years from now when they do change the rule. And they're going to be like, oh, but screw our movie, right? Because you still wanted to keep the rule for whatever reason. But I think the rule – why else change the name unless you're trying to open up that category? You've been trying to play with categories for more of these – it's starting to sound a lot like the Grammys where people don't know the difference between record of the year and song of the year. Remember, we were supposed to get popular film and then best film. What? 
Well, one's for the roller coaster movies, and then the other one's for yeah. the Scorsese movies. I don't know what the difference. I, I don't want it to end up being like the Golden Globes. We've been asking for categories since the beginning of Intercut. You were like, "Where's the casting category?" I've been asking for a category to give mm-hmm. to the stunt people, to the mm-hmm. people who do more VFX, motion capture work. They're doing stuff to like appease. I don't, yeah. I don't know what they're doing, man. It's so I don't know. It's so weird because and I don't like because they've rule. also been announcing like things like better changes like they announced the they're opening up the streaming library to have all the best picture nominees so that every so more chances yeah so people and now they're letting everyone vote for the best international film category because before it was only the people in that category Mm -hmm. but now this is kind of like a step back so another interesting thing and i saw because you had retweeted it fernando was uh the golden globe ones if i'm not mistaken it's the golden globe ones in where what was nominated for best foreign yeah. language film it was uh Which parasite one? and the farewell the farewell yeah the farewell surprised me because i mean i didn't i've seen it twice but i haven't sat there mm-hmm. with a marker to tally up <laughs> what what language yeah. is the most in there but to consider that one and, and you know having made a video on it and seeing lulu uh, have to argue with the producers about them saying, yeah, but is this a, mm-hmm. what kind of genre is this film? He's like, I don't know, what kind of genre is my life? And to now have to like specify this is an American film, even though it's from your Chinese American perspective. I don't know, it's weird. Fernando, which, which festival, which uh, theater, for the, which no, awards for the released, Globes, the Gothams? Like, the farewell was submitted under foreign film. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. so submission. submission. Okay. Yeah, sorry if I said nomination, but yeah, submission. That's interesting, right? Yeah. That's, that's intriguing. That's a very interesting choice. Because I, the, one of the things, and I know you love The Farewell, still one of your favorites of the year, is that perspective that they took and one where I want to continue seeing stuff like that. I mean, we've seen it with Narcos. No one bats an eye that Narcos is primarily in Spanish. And I don't know. Well, I, I was thinking about a, a film like Burning, yeah. uh, which has okay. which has Korean and English. Is that a movie mm-hmm. that, well, maybe it has a little bit too much English now or, or, or something like that? <laughs> Although it ultimately didn't get nominated for yeah, Best Foreign uh, Film. Yeah, like Catch Burning. I think it's streaming. But yeah. I agree with you. What about Parasite? They have that one, yeah, Chicago, yeah. Illinois. All of a sudden, it's an American film. I don't know. What else do you guys think about that? I don't yeah. agree with it, but... I mean, it's it's interesting because I feel like this rule is here for a reason, and part, part of that reason is uh, maybe to not make it easier for a country like England, maybe, or, or a country uh, that might get an unfair advantage because uh-huh. a lot of... American audiences maybe would relate to it more or understand yeah, it better. Yeah. You know, I feel like if this was competing against a bunch of English language movies, those English language movies have a bunch of have some kind of advantage. I don't think the the solution is to yeah. outlaw this film or whatever, mm-hmm. but it, yeah, it's I don't kind know of confusing because then if you change it to any production outside the United States, then that England or like UK, you're right. It could be anything, England, yeah. Canada, because even then it gets yeah. really confusing because a lot you. of the big budget movies and stuff, like they're already like co-productions. They film other places. Cause like a bunch of different companies like finance from all over the, like all over like Christopher mm-hmm. Nolan's movies. All those are British so productions good, yeah. and people uh-huh. like it's, it, it starts yeah. getting confusing. And at that point, that's how you end up getting The Martian nominated for Best Foreign Language Film. The president of the National Association of Theater Owners, John Fithian, has called the short theatrical run given to Martin Scorsese's latest film, The Irishman, a, quote, disgrace. He told the New York Times, it's a very big disappointment that Netflix and the leading theater owners couldn't figure out a way to put a significant movie from Martin Scorsese on a lot of screens. The Irishman is going to play on one-tenth of the screens it should have played on. 
had Netflix been willing to come to an understanding with our me- had Netflix been willing to come to an understanding with our members, art, yay or nay, the Irishman's limited theatrical run is a disgrace. No. <laughs> Can you imagine like some like you go up to a person, you're like, hey, hey, you, hey, you better be careful. Hey, you're making me... No, what are you talking about? You could have said yes to this. You didn't want to. You wanted them to play by your rules. It's interesting, you know, coming off of the Sony-Disney thing, which I still feel was all a ploy, because Disney was right. never risking not having Spider-Man. Uh, this whole bit is so... And this goes back to last year with Roma. Cutting Roma, for, like, that's so petty. We always say this. If you nominate three people for something and you tie for two, that's just, wow, that's so disrespectful for the third person, you know? If it's out of five and you give it to one or it's tied, sure. Here, it's like, they had, last year was how many in the best nine? picture? I think it was nine. Uh, nine. Yeah. It was nine? Eight, nine, something like However that. However it was, to show every single one minus Roma yeah. was mm-hmm. stupid. And now in this case, they're, you know, I was telling you earlier, Alfonso Coron, I love him, you know, <laughs> my tío. But this is Martin yeah. Scorsese. Right. The disgrace isn't on Netflix, homie. Uh, this is the one very few time I will ever quote Screen Rant. <laughs> I can't, couldn't even believe it. They wrote a good article. Screen Rant had a banger of an ending. Shout out to the author of this. He said, he's like, the bigger disgrace isn't that it's not going to be playing in cinemas. It's that you are now showing that the place to go get valuable art, artistic stuff, isn't just subjected to the theater. It's going to be mm. available at home, and that may be the bigger loss. When people start realizing, what have we just been saying earlier? We have this mindset that straight-to-DVD mm. is bad. Straight-to-DVD starts smelling like Martin Scorsese movies? Yeah. Then right, he maybe has right. a point. And, and, you know, theaters this, are this is a... Sorry, uh, you know, this is a wholly different scenario if people, if, if the other studios are willing to fund the Irishman, but they weren't, and other studios weren't well, willing to fund that. Okja. Yeah. And, and, you know, uh, so Netflix has assumed the role of someone willing to finance risky films. For how long? And a lot of times those are the movies we want to see are those riskier properties. You know, it's a shame. I understand the theater owner's uh position here if they allow some netflix movies they're going to allow all netflix movies and why not they're basically cannibalizing their own business in some way by propping up netflix i it's kind of a losing scenario though netflix isn't going away and as long as they're attracting exactly. attention exactly i feel like they should be trying to capitalize it on it on some way i don't know how many um go ahead we don't know what the behind closed doors negotiations True. are, but I have to assume that the theater owners are are being a little bit too harsh here, yes. being unwilling to show any Netflix movies on any circumstance. Like, really? You know, even for Martin yeah. Scorsese, like, make some sort of effort. Yeah. Uh, when we talk about, like, Roma not being there and stuff like that, these it's still getting played. It's just getting <laughs> played elsewhere. It's getting played at actual uh, uh, theaters. It's getting played at the Belasco where Network, uh, the the Broadway play starring our boy uh, Brian Cranston. Cranston. You got to you got to check it out too, right? Mm-hmm. They're playing the movie in there. It mm-hmm. is having a Broadway run. They said, "Oh, you want to play us in theaters? All right, can't be an artisan <laughs> film like Joker. That's fine. Yeah, I'm gonna they're go." They're reopening the the Paris single screen theater to play Marriage Story, which I'm excited That's about. Exciting. I'm going to yeah. go to the Paris Theater again. I got excited for that one, too. I was like, dang, I want to go because I can get to see... Uh, I think it was Mary Queen of Scots the last time I was over there. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's like you're the one... 
Think about like someone didn't get someone got picked last at kickball. Yeah, well, it's on you guys. I'm not, you know, it's that's what they're doing. It, it, the loss is on you, theaters. It's not on the. It's not on the on the mm-hmm. on the movie. You know, the movie's gonna live long. I, I I've never understood this idea of like, oh, if it's not in the cin- it's not in the cinema forever. Mm-hmm. Literally, even with Disney, they're closing up some stuff. It's not in the cinema forever. Where does it go afterwards? Is it not a movie afterwards? You know, this sounds like some stupid. And I say this because I, I had seen something recently uh, uh, about like, you know, like when they say and this was in uh, uh, Unbelievable, where they say uh, a, a girl who's had sex is like a chewing gum or whatever. They're treating these movies as if unless they get played in the theaters, it's this. This goes back to cons. And this went stuff that we were doing at TIFF where they are just ignoring an entire site. It's I think it's elitist. Oh, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. They're treating it like it's a whole, like it's yeah. like it's taboo, and it sounds as old as stupid traditions that we have. I don't get it. I am. I don't get it. Yeah, hard to really understand. But and that's about it for yay or nay. We've got some more news topics to hit in our next segment, the interview, where we answer questions posted by you, the Intercut viewer. So be an intercutie and send us your questions by leaving it in the comments on YouTube, hitting us up on social media at IntercutPod, or by emailing us IntercutPod at gmail.com. We've got a few subjects suggested to us by Magnitude Reviews this week, starting with uh, the slew of announcements from Warner Media, who revealed a bunch of new details about their upcoming HBO Max service. Notably that it will only cost $15 per month, the same price as the HBO cable channel, which raises the question of why anybody who can get both would subscribe to HBO and not HBO Max. But also they revealed uh, the large slate of shows, including ones from TNT, TBS, CNN, HBO Max also pried the rights to South Park away from Hulu yes. for $500 million <clears throat> and acquired what many people thought what was what was once unacquirable, the streaming rights to all the Studio Ghibli films. So what struck out to you about HBO Max's series of reveals, Art? Uh, one, that, the South Park one. Because the deal went, Trey Parker, uh, what's the other guy? Matt Stone. We're like, this isn't just a deal for the streaming rights. We want to make sure we get 50 of the games, 50 of the merch, 50 of everything. I really like how they do business. Uh, that said, yo, they brought back Mickey for one of the newer episodes. They were on Hulu. We know mm-hmm. who owns Hulu. Hulu is Disney Plus's R-rated cousin where they're going to be putting all the stuff that can't be there. I always wondered how South Park could have get... <laughs> now they're on HBO Max. Uh, so I found that really interesting that now they found a new home. But I do like the way that they said Joker's going to be on there. That's going to be the place to hold Joker. And they are really pushing yeah, this. the DC properties will be oh, available. Oh, we had mentioned this a while ago that it's going to be every Warner Bro <laughs> movie will be there. Just like Disney is pushing every... Di- Endgame will be on there by December. So they're pushing it where they really want you to have a subscription service for the mm-hmm. studio logo that appears before every movie. There you go. It's all there. You know, you have your technically Disney pass, your Warner Bros. pass. Peacock mm-hmm. is the name of NBC Universal's one, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Can't wait for the <laughs> bundle packages. Yeah, yeah. it's going to be real interesting. Yeah. It's intriguing, though. Yeah. It's interesting. 
What's uh, the hell I said? The, the Studio Ghibli one, just because of the the two IndieWire articles that came like day, like two, two <laughs> literally day after, day the, after, other, after the other. The Studio Ghibli people were like, this, "They'll never go on streaming." You know, we're gonna keep having <laughs> these uh these like theatrical runs on the Fathom events. Next day, HBO Max gets the rights. I was like, "Okay, I guess." Um, yeah. Hey, that's another thing too that he mentioned the mm-hmm. Fathom events. Why are theaters do Fathom events, but they need seventy five days? For why not do Irishman like that the same way, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know. But what what else did that? Um, well, well, the thing that stuck out to me uh, about these announcements, you know, they are doing this under mm-hmm. the HBO brand, HBO Max, and even though uh, not every show that they've planned to produce is necessarily going to make it to the cable channel HBO. It is kind of changing the idea of what the HBO brand is. You know, I think in the past we've also talked about how whereas Netflix and is really giving HBO a run for its money, whereas Netflix has quantity, HBO is quality. quality. You know, you, when, when HBO puts a show on, you know it's going to be a, a high production effort, that there's a lot of eyes and money and whatever that's gone into the product. Yes. and more and more it seems like they're going to have to go away from that you know traditionally hbo was a channel that for many years would only debut new shows on sunday night and uh just recently his dark materials another one of their new big shows debuted on monday night like yeah monday so you know we're we're getting into this era where hbo is going to be a little bit less selective and i wonder if that's going to change um our relationship with hbo i mean you know not to look too far sad. ahead into the future but basically every show that's on my best of the year list uh towards the top of it is hbo so wow you like you game know. of thrones season eight that much <laughs> I'm, I'm out here standing for uh the the winterfell battle um i know i feel you on that one that's yeah, that would suck. That They've always been known for being that. They were always that quantity over quality. And you knew that when you were going on HBO, the movies, they were the, yeah. the Warner Bros. stuff. HBO Max is really just the more Warner Bros. movies going to it. And yeah. I agree with you. I really hope that they don't start pushing stuff like that and you start getting a lot more garbage in. Because then you're, I feel like your successions, your 13 Reasons Why, your Chernobyls won't stand out as much. Because it's going to be flooded with a bunch of other poop. You, Let's hope you just called it 13 Reasons Why. Did I? This is the video I'm working on, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> I keep referring to Euphoria to the title of the video. 13 Reasons Why I Love Euphoria. But you know what I mean? I agree with you. I agree with you 100% there. I really hope they don't go that route. Yeah. That would suck. Yeah. The Internet's least favorite writing duo, Benioff and Weiss, revealed to Deadline that they would no longer be working on a new Star Wars trilogy. The former Game of Thrones showrunners were announced as the helmers of an original trilogy set in a galaxy far, far away. Back when Thrones was still airing new episodes, however, just like Josh Trank, Colin Trevorrow, Phil Lord, and Chris Miller, Benioff and Weiss will not be making a new Star Wars movie. The duo said that they wanted to focus on their new deal with Netflix, so... Are you glad to be spared of a Benioff and Weiss Star Wars trilogy? Yes. Is the stuff from Netflix original from them? I think so, yes. And it has nothing to do with Confederates? <laughs> yes, I, <laughs> Confederate is dead. That one's not? Okay, good. Yes. They can't mess up their original stories. Why would you want to give them yet another big franchise? And, and even if they killed it, you can't escape what happened with Game of Thrones and the skepticism that'll be there. Why do that, right? Look at Ryan right. Johnson's The Last Jedi. People love it. People hate it. People refuse to even hear any other, ver- any, you know, whatever stand that they put. The same thing. They were going to carry that baggage to it. Yeah. So it's the smartest thing they could have done. Uh, I don't know how you guys feel about it, but 
I do love this growing list of the directors that never made it. It's sort of like those Kanye albums that were never released, like mm-hmm. Good Ass Job and the High Graphics, all, all Yandi. It's like all of these directors of what could have been. Yeah, it's I mean, beautiful. Fernando, I think you're the biggest yeah, yeah, yeah. Star Wars fan out of all of us. Um, How do you feel about I'm this? I'm like conflicted because I totally understand Art's point that 100% that baggage was going to follow them and it's going to follow them like pretty much forever. Um, and there was always going to be that like uh, that like conflictedness of like, is this going to be good? Because, you know, they ended on a pretty low note. Um, obviously, we talked about that, that Q&A they did where they're basically like, yeah, we didn't know what the hell we were doing with Game of Thrones. Um, and lots of people have been like crapping on them. And, you know, I don't want to, like, yeah. defend them because I feel, I feel like for me, like, you know, being, like, a minority or whatever, like, it doesn't seem right to, like, defend them in some way because they're, like, uh, privileged white men. I mean, like, both of their parents are, like, successful <laughs> as hell. I think, like, yeah. yeah they, they don't need right? a lot of so the fact that But yeah, so the fact that, that they said, said that Game of Thrones was, like, their film school, right? I mean, like, sure, they ended on the low note, but I mean, like, they were also responsible for giving us the best seasons of Game of Thrones. Um, I would, I was actually interested in what they were gonna do with Star Wars. Um, was I gonna be nervous? A little bit, yeah. Um, it wasn't gonna be wholly original, but they were gonna work in a time period that was far away from what we know currently, so they did have more room to play. Right. Um, and I find it interesting that I read. Um, I don't really know if they left because the initial report was like they left on their own accord because they wanted to focus on netflix um but then some people were saying oh this mm-hmm. was in talks for months and they knew they were gonna leave whatever yeah. um but the fact that cap it did have a feeling it did have a little bit of a feeling of yeah, like yeah, yeah. let's get ahead of the story yeah, and so say we i quit. think i read something that said that kathleen kennedy um wasn't as confident in them because once they signed that Netflix deal they were gonna like multitask everything and she was like no like we want you just focusing on this like we don't trust you guys like juggling a bunch of projects Um, so in that vein I feel like that might be a positive I know some people are also trying to spin this on like oh Kathleen Kennedy is a sucks at producing right like you know those Star Wars fans Um, right is that where the other news came from where they started saying that Star Wars is very strict and there's no wiggle room for improvisation? Yeah, yeah. You read that article as well? With the Lord and Miller stuff. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I think uh-huh. it was a good move if they did want them to focus on it solely um, to get them out and if they were fine leaving. I mean, <laughs> at that same time, like, they're privileged enough to where they can walk away from Star Wars and they, they're like, yeah, we can, right. we're going to do this stuff with Netflix that just made us like I forgot how much the deal, their deal was with them, but that's crazy. I think it was like two hundred million or something crazy. Bro, your film school was the biggest. So show they're they're time. straight chilling, like they like they're not crying that they lost Star Wars. They're like we're fans, like I mean, like but I mean we'll just go do something else. Yeah. So yeah. And they just they just co-wrote Gemini Man. Like I mean, y'all yeah, can yeah. really do anything so. at this point. I mean, you know, maybe you want to rag on him for Gemini Man, but Benioff is also the man who wrote 24 Hours. <laughs> this is what I want. This is what I wanted to talk with you, Zach. I saw you share this. Zach, David Ayer is also the guy who wrote Training Day. <laughs> Yo, man, it, I'm saying you're, sometimes you're capable. Sometimes you got you got to just I know have, your zone. You got to oh, know I your zone. I have faith for everyone, but sometimes... <laughs> 
We'll see. And I agree with you. I agree with you. I'm ve- I am very excited to see their Netflix original stuff. Hey, you know I'm a big Carl... I, I, no, I wasn't going to say Carlton Cuse and Damon Lindelof, but I'm a big Lost fan, and I'm yeah. always there for them. Do they disappoint me all mm-hmm. the time? Yes. I cannot wait for an entire series, an entire new generation to be disappointed by the creators <laughs> of their favorite show. But I also hope that within there, they release some really yeah. good stuff. Uh, yeah. And I hope, I hope by that point, Netflix and theaters yeah. have a good connection. Well, thank you for the very e- easy transition because what's the matter? Ask if we've been watching the new Damon Lindelof show, HBO's Watchmen. I happen to be all caught up yes. on it. Uh, Art, I know you haven't seen it yet, and Fernando, no, you've seen yet. a little bit of it. No, no, I was oh, going to last any night, but I was too tired. I was like, I gotta okay. devote time to this. What's watch? <laughs> what's Watchmen? <laughs> Who's watching Watchmen? Uh, I am. But- you love it. I, I love it so far. Uh, Magnitude Reviews also asked us to comment on the Watchmen backlash. And I don't oh, know yeah, if yeah. you guys have been hearing much about that. I have that. heard of that, yes. Um, and I've, I've found that pretty interesting, although I'm trying to stay clear of, of most of it just because I don't, you know, it, it seems like it's coming largely from a group who's very devoted to the original. And, and I just don't have that same, like, preciousness for old IP. That's right. Uh, I think. I find what Damon Lindelof is doing to be really, really exciting. He's, you know, completely reimagining world. He called this a remix, and it really does feel like this, in that it's not disregarding or or disrespecting the original. In fact, it's operating under the assumption that the original happened, mm-hmm. and it's expanding on that. You know, this is a show that takes place in modern day, whereas the comics took place in the 80s. And it's basically saying, well, had this been a real situation in the 80s, how would history play out? It's pl- it's more like an alternate history even than it is necessarily like a comic adaptation. And that's kind of what I love about it because he's really trying to put this into the context of uh, a, a larger society. That's something that the original Watchmen, in my mind, is not necessarily a, a big fan of it, but somebody who's familiar with it. Uh, it does really well in, in sort of imagining a world that's been uh, affected and altered by the presence of these superheroes. You know, in the original Watchmen, they, they hmm. win the Vietnam War. And then in the Watchmen series, they talk about Vietnam is the hmm. 51st state. Uh, and I, I really love seeing the elements of that, like that. Um, so I know some people have been upset about the way in which it puts uh, the racial dynamics front and center. And I would say that that's just, you know, Damon Lindelof is be, is very cognizant of the way that the world works. I think if you've seen any of his responses to lost controversies, he, he's very aware of what the dialogue online sounds like. And he's putting the Watchmen property firmly in 2019 when these dialogues are, are in the conversation. Yes, it's a- adapted to this fantasy world, but I f- think... I think he's found a really elegant way to to combine real world issues with this fantastical world. Uh, I'm super, super into it. I will say, um, for those of you who have seen the show, I think a lot of people who really like the original uh, novel wouldn't be so put off had the third episode come first. Because the third episode involves a lot of direct calls to the original book. Whereas the first two are more so inspired by interesting Interesting. i the only thing i know of the show was when uh alan moore if i'm not mistaken right Mm -hmm. came out and said uh no (laughs) 
Just no. And Damon Lindelof wrote a huge thing on Instagram. I remember reading this. I was in Boston at the time. And I read every single thing. This man did a whole, like, he wrote it, <laughs> took a picture of the PDF, uploaded it. Like, I'm like, homie, I've never seen this done before. And I had to scroll through pictures, reading his response on his Instagram. And he pretty much just said, as much as I love your work and it's influential and it hurts to hear you say, it's not going to stop. And I have so much faith in this. And that's that. Damon Lindelof also being very famous for making fun of George R. R. Martin. What was it? Five years in the waiting? That uh, Eight years, something like that? Yeah. If you don't remember, Lost ended. Game of Thrones isn't made into a series yet. And they asked George, will you ever make it into a series? He goes, yes. But, oh, can you imagine it be a series? And then it has an <laughs> ending like Lost? That broke Damon's heart. He was just reading Game of Thrones. All of these different things. He waited, He waited. what was it, the eight years. <laughs> Season eight happens. Oh, I recommend going to read that stuff up. Uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a fan of his. I, I love the recommendation you're giving to it. Uh, I'm excited to see it. How many episodes is, is it supposed to be? I want to say ten, but maybe it's only okay. eight. I'm excited for it. I mean, I, I, I read the graphic novel. I have the director's cut, ultimate yeah. cut, whatever it is from Snyder's. Uh, and I, I even caught up on the before Watchmen stuff. I don't know if you guys remember. That was a miniseries that came out. Uh, in comic form where it would follow the comedian it would follow different characters that happened just at, right after the events of the first one so uh, I'm aware of the universe I know this is supposed to be brand new so yeah, huh? is we'll that, yeah I'm probably gonna check we'll it see. out too and all like the, the controversies are what what's getting me excited to watch it because like the fact that mm-hmm. I, lo- I love it when um things that are ad- adapting from like novels and stuff don't aren't like direct adaptations but rather like inspired by or taken like things in the yes. world and like the like they yeah. do their own thing with it and i find that really cool and i mean just the cast alone i'm hearing regina king is like phenomenal in it and like i'm i'm excited to see her and um uh jeremy irons uh, does he play does he play like a yeah. a yeah, bad right. guy in this uh it's okay. kind of to be determined, I think, with Jeremy okay. Irons, at least from the episodes that I've seen. But yo, Regina King and yo, Gene Smart shows up in episode three. Ah, uh, episode three is the best mm, of the, them so far, I think. I, I'm really, really excited to see where this goes. Uh, another thing that I'll mention, you know, a lot, I think one of the major reasons that uh, it kind of got controversial is that the show opens up yeah. on the 1921 <laughs> Tulsa massacre. Um, and. You know, for a show that's ostensibly about the Watchmen to basically spend the first like five to ten minutes on on something that has nothing to do with Watchmen Mm -hmm. uh, catches people off guard, especially if you're a person who's very, very excited for to see the show. But this is Damon Lindelof being smart again. This is Damon Lindelof, the dude who made who who made us uh, fall in love with Lost. He knows that this is when the series is going to have the most Mm -hmm. eyes on it. And he's putting something that he really wants you to pay attention to right at the top. You don't think it ever comes out? You don't think it comes out too preachy at all? No, not at all. You said it takes like 2019, right? Yes. All right. We'll see. I can't. It's, it's I can't really. Speak of I think else. the politics are really muddled in a realistic way. Mm. You pick it over the boys. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Make sure to leave us a question in the YouTube comments by emailing us at intercotpod at gmail to get featured on the next show. You can also reach out to us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Our handle is at intercutpod on all three. Intercut P O D. That's short for podcast. Be an intercutie and send us your movie, TV, and entertainment questions. 
But it's time for our topic of the week, and this Let's week's go. topic, Disney's recent purchase of 21st Century Fox uh, has had a lot of ramifications, but among them is the uncertain fate of the Fox-produced films they acquired. Disney Plus unveiled its day one slate on Twitter and notably omitted some Fox titles like David Lynch's Wild at Heart, the Brian Singer X-Men series, and Alien. Furthermore, Disney has apparently been denying repertory movie theaters' request to screen its, cl- its classic films like Planet of the Apes and The Omen. So, Art, what do you think of Disney's handling of these Fox films? Not a fan. I think it's... this. No, it's... Uh, I was reading up on a lot of the stuff when it comes to, like... We go to the music box... All the time. That's like a big institution over here. You know, you have IFC Center. I don't know what it is for you guys over there in Florida, but I'm sure you have those yeah. like movie houses where you know that's the one place that's playing those movies. And a lot of those movie houses rely on those specific yeah. films. The bigger, you know, supposedly the the split was that uh, it kind of like a YouTube representative when they have to decide whether your monetization for your video is, and they like have to decide. You have to better hope they're having a good day. They have to decide whether you are a first-run, big-budget theater, I guess, or a more art. Who gets to decide that? I don't know. And there are some places that are legit, like, we literally fit every criteria, and they still told us no. And the biggest problem with that is that they don't make their money off of the independent films that are out there most of the time, sometimes. But they get a lot of their stuff from these cult classic films that they get to show, and they make a lot of money from. Sometimes 60% of their revenue. And if that's the case, and you're not letting them have those movies, that strips them of those funds. And places like certain cinemas in uh, Atlanta that I heard of will not be able to survive without that. I've always hated their vault thing back when they did that with their Disney films. Because I was never able to buy Alina the Beauty of the Beast because I was in the vault for whatever reason. Uh, so, no, I'm not a fan of this. And it sounds to me like it's dealing something with rights and just holding off those properties so another installment can't be made or, or whatever it is. I, you know, we don't know how those rights stuff works. There's all this behind-the-scenes stuff. But, again, it's clearly a money thing because there's no other reason to hide a piece of art that's already been released. Yeah, I don't know if it's the idea to maybe make it uh, more limited and then drive up demand or it's if dumb. it's just a just a way of disassociating themselves with certain properties that they don't think mm-hmm. suits Disney. But regardless of it, it's really a shame, especially when you consider uh, that these repertory houses and, and theaters that put on these like anniversary screenings and stuff like that, it's the way that many people get exposed to yes. some of these older movies and uh, these older films, you get to stay in the conversation uh, you know, as somebody who tries to go and see an older film when it is shown in a repertory theater, if it's a movie that I've wanted to see and haven't mm-hmm. been able to see on the big screen, uh, you know, y- you hope you will get the chance to. I know, I know I've been really thankful for the chances to see some of my favorites on the big screen when I have been. Um, and, and, you know, this isn't, this isn't sculptures or paintings or, or things that we go see in museums, right? This is, this is movies. They need to be shown in movie theaters in order to be able to appreciate them. And, mm-hmm. It's one thing if you don't want to necessarily put it on the streaming service. I get it that there might be some some rights issues or or financial things that don't necessarily incentivize that. But when you make it so that nobody can really screen the movie, even that it's basically like we're we're hiding this film from existence. That's that's weird. And then yeah, because the person making that decision had nothing to do with the original making of the movie. I feel like that just like brings on itself like a bunch of more problems like that might like increase like piracy or something like if people can't find it anywhere find it anywhere else like (laughs) that's their only option you know and like 
mm-hmm. you're telling them they can't yeah. legally buy the uh, film. I, I really don't know what they're doing in that aspect. And it's like, you know, some people every year they go see Die Hard during, during like Christmas. Like every yeah. year they play that. Right. Um, so I guess like they're not going to do that anymore. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. You know my thing with it? Or you I was just point. gonna say that like those like fathom events and things like that are like huge. Like everyone goes to see like the yes. Studio Ghibli that runs like twice a month. Those get packed. Yeah. yeah. Packed like crazy, and I love the ones like the way they just had Apocalypse yeah. Now at the IMAX and Dolby. Like those are equipped for big theaters. I know you were saying that 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 uh, movies aren't museums, but they. I mean, they should have that stuff. Apollo Eleven was getting played over here at the Museum of Science and Industry in the like three sixty theater. There are mm-hmm. some projections that you can only get in the theater, uh, and to be able to strip it, like we even said, from the big theaters, the indie theaters aren't going to mm-hmm. have that projection. You know, they're not going to be able to, to host. I mean, yeah, they'll be able to play it in 70 millimeter, but it's not going to be like it is, you know, on an IMAX screen. And you're saying those those can't get it. Why? Because of money? It's sounding very yeah. greedy to me. And, and the people who are hurting it from it the most are the fans of these of these things. Buy your media right. so they can't take it away from you. Yeah. That's what I was. Especially when you consider that Disney is such a large company and, and this would, you know, seemingly represent such a small percentage of whatever profits they would make. Uh, that it does, yes. it seems extra greedy, um, and, and it's unfortunate because you'd like to think that uh, giving access to these films might necessarily uh, boost their profiles or keep them in the conversation or whatever it is. Sounds like that's like not <laughs> something they want. Yeah, yeah I don't know. Um, it it would be really interesting to see if they had any public comment on why some of these films are are being. Uh, kept out of the public eye. I mean, obviously, we know in certain cases uh, when it comes to their own movies, such as Song of the ha- South, that they have their own reasons for not wanting to publish them. But there's nothing mm-hmm. offensive uh, about some of these films. Uh, I, I, it just makes me wonder, like, what is the thought process? What is the calculations? And and ultimately, because we know so little about that thought process. You know what? What's the future for these movies? Are we going to lose them in in like you know companies acquiring companies acquiring companies? It, you know, let's say Disney is acquired by some companies that's just not interested in showing it, think, films theatrically. Does that mean we're just going to lose access to all of these things? They get they get bought by Amazon, <laughs> right? Yeah, no, I agree with you. It's uh, it's a slippery slope. It kind of reminds me. Um, there's this is this has to do with beer but there is a and i'm blinking on the beer company in specific so i guess i'll keep it vague to it but it is a pretty big company and over on the west coast they actually had a banquet kind of like just a, a place where like almost like a vfw center you know where people are able to rent that out to be able to host events right. but this was a free charity room and anyone was able to stay there if they wanted and people had booked it for months then the company comes out and goes, sorry, we have to close this. I don't know if it's like Lagunitas or something like a pretty big company that I got, again, purchased by a mm. bigger company. But mm-hmm. before that, this made a, they made a non-for-profit building and people had suggested they had put built all these crazy things there and they were giving beer and all these different things to them. Then they said, okay, you know, with, with a broken heart, we have to close the place down. No more reservations. But people had already booked. These mm. charities who have little money and they found a place and they're like, great, all the money that we're going to save for that, we're going to invest it in all of the invitations we sent out, but the place isn't open yet. The right. amount of things that Disney has an influence on isn't just for itself, you know? 
they're they have a responsibility and they're going to be hurting we're hearing about theaters right now but i don't know what's next you know uh they have a lot of influence outside of the people who directly work for disney is what i'm trying to say hey but at least marvel has control of the x-men again you know uh, so I think that's just about it for topic of the week. We're going to go to our last subject of this and every week. It's the new to see where we give you our picks for the week, the movies and TV shows on streaming and in theaters that mm-hmm. we recommend for y'all to watch over the weekend. Art, start us off. What is your pick for the week? If you go into the theaters, you already know what to watch. Parasite. I believe it is expanding, but I will bring up another one in case it is in your area. I caught marriage story. <laughs> wow. Wow, does that grow on you? So um, I am so I've never been so excited for a movie being on Netflix because I want to go back and just ca- that's why the kids doing because they had brought it up the cause and effect. Oh my, it's almost like a web that you can make for this movie. You, I've never sat through a drama where I was like the drama feels so palpable. I can actually mm-hmm. make a Venn diagram of the cause and effect and relationships between the parents and the kids and beautiful. There's a really amazing way in which actions that start out innocent evolve into really like costly and tragic things and and it's nobody's fault but the circumstance it's nobody's fault that movie's gonna destroy me the the scene (laughs) yes the scenes where they just acted like this Mm-hmm. Look at each other mm-hmm. while someone else had to speak for the. Oh man! If you're going to the theaters and you want your heart broken, go watch that movie with your friends. Uh, How about our someone... girl Laura Dern kicking off her shoes, going the, for that Oscar? The oh, I think it's in the bag for supporting. Yeah. I don't know who else yeah. is in the supporting. When she said the Mary Magdalene line, not Mary Magdalene. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. Yeah, no. Uh, uh, the Virgin Mary <laughs> line. I was like, oh my. god Goodness, better than Renata for sure. Yeah, uh, I got three things for streaming though. Bojack Horseman season six, they're splitting it. Zach, you're recommended probably. We'll talk more about it with you. Uh, but the two other ones, one's on YouTube, the other one is on Shutter, I believe. One Cut of the Dead, highly recommended. Wow, very good. Um, go in knowing nothing. Go in watching the trailer. The trailer only shows you a fraction of the movie. It makes you think it's. Excuse yeah. me, another movie that it's not even supposed to be. The first 30 minutes is like, okay, that's interesting. Okay, that's interesting. This is the, okay, that's yeah. interesting. Makes no sense what I'm saying right now because I want you to go in blank. It is a, do you know what uh, country Japan. it's from? I know it's an Asian film. Uh, fantastic. It's it's a, it's like they're making a zombie movie. It's the, it reminds me a lot of Living in Oblivion, which is one of my favorite movies uh, when it comes to movie making. And this is like movie making clashed in with a zombie film, clashed in with just just indie mm-hmm. l- love. You know, if you've ever made yeah. a movie with your friends or like on the yeah, worst yeah. budget or someone's got to take a poop in the middle of you filming something, that's this movie right here. I recommend it. Uh, make sure you sit through all of it, though. The other one is Sunday Service. Mr. Kanye West released oh. something on IMAX theaters and I cannot recommend that but uh it was it was something 30 minutes $15 prices I should have stayed at home and watched his Sunday service these free services that he's doing everywhere Sunday service being the name of the choir mm. that he's going to places with on a Sunday he's been to Jamaica he's been he he did a couple of Howard, stuff in Howard New York. University Howard University he did the stuff in LA he kills it even if you're not a big fan of the songs, the renditions he does live with the Sunday service, if you've never been to a gospel 
just worship session. It's not you don't need. I say this all the time. A lot of people they don't, don't like the new album because the lyrics. That's fine, but that still sounds like yay. That's still some of the best production. And let me tell you something. When you 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 weren't paying child support when you were listening to Gold Digger, so I'm, you know I don't think you need to be a Christian to listen and bump the new music that he has. But with a Sunday service, some of this stuff is is just impeccable. I highly recommend listening to some of the snippets. It's not perfect. They say, uh, Alina always tells me the best, your choir is only as good as your best singer or as your worst singer. Kanye ain't the best singer, but the Sunday service group, I would even say check out the James Corden thing. Wow. Just honestly, it's it's beautiful music. Uh, and those would be my picks of the week. Some music, some horror, and some depressing animation from Netflix that's ending soon. All right, a bunch of recommendations from nice. Art Fernando. What are so your in picks for the week? Theaters, I guess I could recommend. Uh, I think Pain and Glory is in a couple of theaters right now. Um, I know that came out at TIFF. It played at, I think it played at Con, I think. Um, but I, I caught it. Um, I loved it. I think it's actually my first Aldomovar. I don't know if you guys have seen any of his. Yeah, it was my first really? one. Um, and I think Antonio Banderas like, kills it. Um, very interesting. Mm-hmm. Potentially yeah. on his way um, to an Oscar nomination. Definitely gonna, probably going to get best uh, international. Uh, Killer yes. final shot. Uh, Cinematography is great. Uh, yeah. Definitely recommend that one. And then on streaming, uh, one that we mentioned earlier, Dolomite is my name. Really enjoyed it. I think it's quietly going to be one of my favorite movies of the year. Um, Eddie Murphy is great. Mm-hmm. Wesley Snipes is fantastic. Um, and then The King is, if you like, Timothy. Mr. Timmy, uh, there's a lot of memes going out around. Yeah. It's a fucking uh, charade. Robert Panson does another goofy performance next to his lighthouse one. It's it's good. Even if you don't even if you don't He's like great. you know medieval tellings of like you know the kings and whatever, uh, it, it might be for you. So check it out. Yeah. It might be. Yeah. Dope. dope good picks. Dope. What about you, Zach? What you got? A lot of good picks. Uh, I second Parasite. I, I second everything that mm-hmm. Fernando just recommended, except for uh, one of them, because I didn't see it. Which one did <laughs> I? I, I don't forget. One of I second a lot of the stuff that you guys were saying. Um, I'll, I'll piggyback on BoJack Horseman. Season 6, Part 1, I guess, hey. is up on Netflix now. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they. I believe that they were informed that this would be their final episodes when they were writing. And it really does feel like they have an end game in mind here, which is Uh, good. I'm happy, which is great. You know, a show as smart and beautiful as Bojack Horseman has been, uh, it it deserves to go out uh, on a, you know, intentional note. And the way that they've set up the, the final bit is really, really intriguing. But those la- those eight episodes they just published are really, really great, too. You know, uh, I think the show, it, it's kind of hard to imagine the show without BoJack being problematic at its center, but I think they've done a really great job of reckoni- reckoning with his desire to be a better person, uh, plus all the negative things that he's done and the people he's affected, uh, particularly that eighth episode of the sixth season is really, really well done uh, and features, you know, a bunch of characters who you might not think would be the star of the episode, but end up being important. Um, I don't know. It's it's a show that is so empathetic and so thoughtful and, and so in, insightful about life that I will be very sad when it is finally over, but I'm glad we still have this for now. Go watch BoJack. It's funny and 
and sad. Uh, I'll throw a recommendation out there for Crown Vic, which is going into limited release in theaters. Uh, speaking is, of our yeah. speaking of our boy David Ayer, this one kind of reminded me of Ooh. End of Watch in that it's kind of like a, a hey. gritty wrong side of the law, but not really cop drama uh, in which the these uh, these pair of cops, one more of a veteran, one more of a rookie are out on a night when a stolen police cruiser has been uh, going up down the streets of, of uh, I forget which city they're in actually, but it's mm-hmm. a, it's a really cool film. Uh, Tom Jane plays one of the cops. And I just think, you know, if you're into those cop movies, if you're into like a, a down and dirty action thriller, this is worth your time. Uh, also, I realized we haven't talked El Camino. Mm-hmm. Oh, so think? this is this is, of course, the Breaking Bad sequel film just released on Netflix. You know, I think ultimately uh, this is because Breaking Bad was such a big deal and because we got this announcement five years after Breaking Bad um, that your expectations end up being they must be doing something crazy here. And ultimately, I think we got two solid Breaking Bad episodes, you know. I don't think they were crazy. Yeah, some that's a good way. I don't think they were some of the best that Breaking Bad has ever done, that this creative team has ever done. I don't feel like it feels like a fitting ending for uh, the Breaking Bad series, so it doesn't necessarily feel like they should have made this five years ago. Uh-huh. But it's still really well-crafted stories, really clever situations that the ways that the Breaking Bad crew has... Uh, likes to write their characters into corners and then mm-hmm. have them crawl their way out of them is still some of the most compelling drama out it there. Is. So I, I I kind of loved it, even though it was very minor Breaking Bad. Uh, it's still 100% worth your time and more than just a, an excuse to go revisit a bunch of the characters that yeah. we saw before. I agree with you the same way. I felt it was, uh, if Breaking Bad was the conclusion for Walt and Saul is, you know, that's his, this was Jesse's and, and yeah. I thought it was a good one. Yeah, so I recommend that as well. Um, yeah, there, there's good stuff, and definitely Watchmen. You know, I, I hope you guys catch up on Watchmen soon because I've been I really I eager to, to talk with people. You about know, it. I haven't I haven't caught a show on a week by week basis other than uh, Euphoria recently, mm-hmm. uh, but that's because I started that one earlier. I thought all the episodes had caught up, and then it, I thought it had ended on me, and I had one more left. I might I might start catching up this one uh, on a week by week basis. We could talk about it. Please do, please do. Uh, but yeah, that's all for this week's show. You can catch more from me, Zach Shevich, by following me on Twitter, Instagram, or Letterboxd at ZShevich. Or check out my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash show. Art, where can people catch more from you? You can find me at the A to Z Show on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube, as well as the Let Me Explain stuff that we have going on as well. And weekly here on the Intercut Podcast. Also joined by Fernando. Fernando, where can we catch more from you? At border logic, border underscore logic, my bad. Um, And then on my writing, that is on www.theatzshow.com, which, yeah, we're going to have a lot of more stuff pumping out over the next couple weeks. Best of the decade stuff, you know, something like that. Are y'all ready? (laughs) I got you. Yo, my list is Yeah, yeah. Mine's going to get longer. A lot to revisit. Thank you, Fernando. You can catch more uh, from us by listening to every episode of the Intercut Podcast on 
iTunes, on SoundCloud, or your favorite podcatcher. I happen to like Overcast. And then make sure you subscribe not just to the audio podcast, but to the video feed as well on YouTube.com slash IntercutPod, where you can catch our bright, smiling faces as we break down the latest in entertainment. Find new episodes of Intercut every Friday. Please leave us a comment, like the videos, considering heading over to iTunes to leave us a five-star, five-star review. You know, I didn't realize this, but I went into the iTunes store to to get these reviews, to, like, see how the people are, are feeling about us, and they only show you the ones from the country you're in. So we're missing out on a couple positive reviews coming from Brazil <clears throat> and the UK and New Zealand. So shouts to uh, Kimberly and... Bia Morelia, Morelia. Like, I don't we, even know how to pronounce wait, we, some of these like, names. Like we can't even see them. Yeah, you have to go to Chartable. That's how I found them. But if you go to the U.S. iTunes Store, uh, their reviews are, are not yeah, visible man, to us. So sorry, we haven't given you your due yet. Uh, we love our international fan base. We're yeah. really big in Paraguay. Hey, shout, shout out! out yeah, Paraguay. you were showing me earlier. Shout out Paraguay. Shout India. out uh, oh, Paraguay. Yeah. Shout out India. Bro, I didn't even know y'all were watching over there. Shout out you guys. I'm just, hey, I, we can't hear you. I don't know why they won't let us see the reviews, but hey, at least you, you guys are hearing us, so we appreciate that. Absolutely. Like our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages. All of them are at IntercutPod to get updates throughout the week from Art, from me, from Fernando, from all of our guests here on the Intercut Podcast. Thanks again for tuning in, and until next time, we're kind of a big deal on Spotify in Paraguay. That's goofy. <laughs>